0: how great it is to hear the saints of God just fellowshipping in his house. amen and for a long time we didn't know whether we'd even be able to gather again, did we? Hey listen, how many of you have a favorite team? favorite driver maybe you know think about that in in your life as as you've gone through your life. you know you have your favorite team they do well. I, I thought about this weekend about in June of 2010, just over 10 years ago, that the South Carolina Gamecocks, they did something they never had done before. The baseball team, what did they do? They won a national championship, right? And so that was so exciting. What's very interesting too is, as I was reading on online this morning, they actually began to date... The errors of different coaches, and they start with Bobby Richardson when he coached there. They, they they struggled a lot, but then started with Bobby. That was interesting. But why why were we all in tune with that? Well, for those of you that don't know, uh, Sumter is kind of where a lot of the Carolina money came from. Williams Bryce. We have the what Williams Bryce House, which is the museum, right? And so that was the money that was given that built the stadium. So we're we're Gamecock uh, people. Some of y'all might be Clemson folks, and that's okay. I don't really have a I don't have a, a lead. Um, allegiance to either one but as they won their first national championship that was cool right we had a guy from Sumter, Matt Price who's now a police officer here in town it was on that team and one of the pitchers and so we watched from afar and it's something we celebrated but here's the thing that we I want you to consider this morning is that we don't celebrate that anymore do we it's kind of forgotten it, it, they want it, and it's important, and unless you were there and you're tracking, you don't really think about that every day. And so this morning, I want us to think on the topic of living in the light of Easter. See, that championship that they won back in 2010, we don't really think about too much. But almost some 2,000 years later, last Sunday, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, amen? We celebrated that the tomb is still empty. We, we celebrated that death is still conquered. And so this morning, as we think about what does it mean to live in light of Easter, what does it mean to live in light of something? That is, that there's this piece of information that affects a situation. And so as we just came through Easter, I want us to think about that this morning, that, that it is still changing lives, and it is still has an impact. As I thought this morning, as I was finishing up one of the final little nuggets of wisdom that I wrote down was, the baskets have been put away Has your Bible. You know, think about last Sunday, we gathered, some of you ate with your family, you had the Easter baskets, the children enjoyed, you know, being together. Those baskets have been put away Has your Bible. This week, as we drove to Louisville, Kentucky and back, I had Austin captive, and so we talked about a whole lot of things, but one of the things we talked about is what does it mean to live in light of Easter, and here's what Austin had to say. Austin said, it's easy to celebrate Jesus when everybody else is doing it. But what about when no one else is? Last Sunday, it was easy to celebrate Jesus. Why? Because that's where our focus was. And we had people that were here, and they were they only come usually at Christmas and Easter. And one of the things we did is we did not shame them. We didn't call them out. Why? We were thankful that we were here. We preached the gospel. We preached the resurrection and prayed that the Lord would change their hearts and lives. As Austin and I taught there in the car, we went on to say this, that we're to live with the same excitement, talking about how, to, how are we going to live in light of Easter, we're to live with the same excitement and realization that Jesus has conquered the grave, that he's still changing lives, he's still trustworthy, and he's still a source of strength and hope in our times of need. Amen? You know, as we thought about that, too, one of the books that we ran across this week, we, we came back with a whole stack. I can't even tell you how, how many books. I have to show you a picture sometime. It was amazing. They, uh, If you've ever seen, uh, you think Baptists love food? Let them tell you that there's pallets of free books to get, man. it was. We were all huddled in there in a nice, tight huddle, so I brought back books. But I intentionally brought back a big stack of them to give away to my pastor friends. But one of the books that we picked up as we were gone this week was a book by a gentleman by the name of Dean and Sarah, and he wrote a book called The Unsaved Christian Reaching Cultural Christianity with the Gospel. And it just so happened that uh, my daughter Katie picked the book up and she happened to turn to a particular section, and so I began to read around that section because I have tons of books that I want to start. But listen to what he said as he talked about Easter, as he talked about those who come at Christmas, who are are just cultural Christians. He said this, there's a disconnect. Like other holidays, when the calendar changes, the hype is gone, and there is no remaining impact on their lives. There were some people who came to church last Sunday. Oh, by the way, I think if I'm not mistaken, there was like 239 people on our campus last weekend. Between our two services, praise the Lord for that, right? Those are people, those are individual people that he loves, that he died for. 150 in the second service, 80 somewhat in this service over here. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. But there's a disconnect. So why why this message? Why today? Why talk about what it means to live in light of Easter? Listen, friends, it's because the cross of Jesus changed everything, right? That the grave is still empty and death Is still conquered. And so this morning, a little bit different message, if you will, from me, but as we began to think about this week, I began to think about what does it mean to live in light of Easter? Can I go ahead and give you a preview of what we'll talk about next week? Next week I want to I want to hunker down on the notion of this what is the gospel? As as we were at that conference, I began to get a burden of what is the gospel? And what was really cool is I came up with this question, and I can't take credit for it, but it's opened up a lot of conversation. And I simply asked this question, and this is what we'll look at next week. Define the gospel in one sentence. And so I look forward to sharing that with you and, and what I've learned and, and what God is showing me. But this morning, as we look at what does it mean to live in light of Easter, the first point that I want to give you is this, that Jesus is who Scripture says he is. If we're going to live in celebration because Easter just like Thanksgiving Easter's not just one day a year right we're we're to live with a heart of Easter each and every day and so we need to celebrate the fact that Jesus is who scripture says he is listen he not only is Jesus who scripture says he is Jesus is who he says he is that he did what he said he would do that he is still risen and that he is still trustworthy. Friends, I want to remind you this morning that the Old Testament does what it points to the cross, and the the New Testament points back to the cross. As we live in 2022, we're pointing back to that cross because the cross of Jesus changed everything. So why does Scripture why does Easter change everything? Because why? Because Jesus is who Scripture says he is. Isaiah, as he prophesied of the coming Christ, look at what Isaiah said. Isaiah said in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For, uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of of peace what wonderful reminders of who jesus is as we think in the new testament what do we learn in matthew's gospel what of the birth of jesus tells us what that she mary will bear a son and you shall call his name jesus why for he will what save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, being Isaiah. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, Matthew is quoting that, and he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Jesus is... Who Scripture says He is? Look at what we see in. Uh, sorry. <laughs> All right, in John's Gospel, what do we see in John's Gospel? John's Gospel, as John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, he says what? He says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." That's John, chapter one, verse twenty-nine. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Very familiar passage that many of you know. Next is later in John's Gospel. What do we see? John chapter three verse sixteen. We typically know sixteen, but look at seventeen. For God so what? Loved the world that he what? Gave his only Son that whosoever what believes in him should not should not perish. But have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but what? It, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to save us. Amen? Then we see what? So not only is Jesus whose Scripture says he is, what do we know? We learned through Easter, living in light of Easter, that Jesus did what he said he would do. In Matthew's gospel, in, in chapter 16, verse 21, we see what? From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus did what he said he would do. I want you to look with me. If you have your copy of God's word, look with me in the book of Romans to the book of Romans. I want you to see for yourself. If you have your if you have your Bible app or you have your Bible open, turn past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, and then you'll find the book of Romans. So as we think on this notion of Jesus did what he said he would do, let's look as Paul writes his letter to the church at Rome. Look at what he says here as he's greeting them as an introduction. Look at what he says. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who were called to belong to Christ Jesus. Look there in verse 4. And was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, what? By his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection changes everything. Look with me in chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, under the heading of dead to sin and alive to God. You'll find these similar words. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can he who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that? All of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That's the goal, friends. And Not only is the, is Jesus hung on the cross, he died for our sins, he, he was buried, he was raised on the third day, the tomb is empty And so there, that is how we're saved. He conquers death. But all of that, that we may walk in the newness of life. That those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. So we're called to walk in the newness of life. Look with me at verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus he goes on to say, Let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But listen, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will ha- have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. We're dead to sin and alive to the Lord, we are to walk in a newness of life. I want you to see here this morning as well. Look with me. I want you to be turning to First Peter. So, in the old, in the New Testament, Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, and First John. So, right there between James and Second Peter, turn, be turning to First Peter. As we turn there, so not only is Jesus, who Scripture says He is. Not only did Jesus do, do what he said he would do, I want you to see here this morning that God did what he said he would do. Look with me in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. This is born again to a living hope. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. We, we have an inheritance, friends. If we're in Christ Jesus, we have an inheritance. We've been adopted into the family of God. We, we're, we're, we're brothers and sisters with Christ if, the, if his shed blood has been washed over us. And friends, there is coming a day that we stand to gain an inheritance that is greater than any inheritance that you've ever inherited here on earth. What do we see? That what there in heaven, there's an inheritance for us that's imperishable. It's undefiled and it's unfading. It's kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, listen, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through its tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him, though you do not. Now see him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Friends, God did what he said he would do, and through that we are given an inheritance. Last, I want you to see this morning something very simple, very true. That is this, that Jesus... Is our example, Jesus is our example. This morning, this week, as I was reading through a devotional while we were gone, reading through one of the devotionals, that I checked from time to time. I got on their website. I tried to take as few of books with me because I knew I would be bringing books back, and listen to how the voice, the, the voice translation, had this voice translated, had this verse translated. John fifteen verse nineteen. The truth is. That the Son does nothing on his own. All these actions are led by the Father. The Son watches the Father closely and then mimics the work of the Father. The English Standard Version that I typically preach and teach from says this. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Listen, Jesus is our example. We are to follow him. We're we're to imitate him. Paul, as he closes out his first letter to the church at Corinth, and the church at Corinth, it needed some help. It had problems just like we do today in the church. But as Paul wrote that first letter to the church at Corinth, as he gets near the very end, as he gets closer towards the end, in chapter 11, which is really the ending of chapter 10, we see this profound verse that is just, it's one of those verses, I don't know, I'd love to know it, I'd love to know this from you all. Has there ever been a verse of scripture that you've read that has just, just smacked you right in the face? Right? Has it ever just challenged you so deeply? For me, that verse is 1 Corinthians 11, It's Paul, right, says he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ is our example. He's the cornerstone. He's the one that we're supposed to imitate. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's the example. What we see Jesus doing. How we see Jesus loving the unlovable. How we see Jesus treating those that that disagree with Him. How we see Jesus walking and, and being the hands and feet of His Father. That is what we are to do. As well. So Jesus is who Scripture says He is. Jesus did what He said He would do. God did what He said He would do. Jesus is our example. Then, last but not least, I want you to know this morning for some of you who have come here that Jesus is our source. He's our source. And you might say, well, Chris, what is he our source of? Well, I'm glad you asked. Listen, he's our source of forgiveness. He's our source of truth, of life, of love, of humility, of hope, and of strength. Now, you might say, well, that's a nice list. Where would you get that from? I got it from Scripture. You know, one of these might resonate with you. Maybe you're in a season in your life that you need to be forgiving. Maybe you need to have humility. Maybe you need to be strengthened through the only strength that can strengthen you, the love of Christ. So let's look very quickly. I just want to read just portions of these verses for you and remind you of these truths. What? How how is Jesus a source of forgiveness? Ephesians 4.32 tells us, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Listen, we we have a sin debt that we owe that we could not repay. The only thing, the only thing that each and every one of us is owed is death. And you say, that's not fair. Well, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. God is God, not me. Not you. You say that's not fair. Take that up with him. But Jesus is our source of forgiveness. Forgiving each other just as Christ, this is in Christ God forgave you. Look at truth in life. Very familiar verse that many of you know. For Jesus says what? He says, for I am the, the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So if you need truth in your life, we're living in a day and time where truth is being eroded. Life. What, if we abide in Christ, that we may have life and have it abundantly. Praise the Lord for that. Love. Now, we talk about love a whole lot, but how do we know that Jesus is a source of love? Why? We love because he first loved us. Humility, humility. There in the passages, Jesus is talking about those who have, are heavy laden, heavy burdened. He says, "What well, come to me, take up, take up my yoke, because my burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what does he go on to say? He says, for I am gentle and lowly. He, he's meek, he, he's humble. And so if you need humility, you need to seek the Lord. You need to seek Jesus. He's our our source of hope. How do we know that? Paul, as he opens his first letter to Timothy, he says what? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. What are you hoping in? What are you putting your faith and your hope in? Is it your bank account? Is it your 401k? Is it your marriage? Or is it Christ?" Put your hope in Christ. Jesus is our hope. He's also our strength. I want to invite you as well, if you still have your Bible open, turn over to the book of Ephesians. So first and so we were in Romans, so then you'll find 1st and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. So Ephesians is sandwiched between Galatians and Ephesians. Turn there, if you will, with me this morning, and let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Really, as we noted on the screen, it's verse 16, that is true. But I want—I would not be doing my job as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ if I did not read this passage in its entirety. It's a prayer for spiritual strength. Paul says as he's writing to the church at Ephesus under the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit, he says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through the Spirit in your inner being, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20. I love it. It's underlined in my Bible. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a prayer, what a reminder that we're to be rooted and grounded in love, that that we're to be strengthened. And and, and Paul's prayer for us even today, my prayer for you is that you would know, that that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that it would go from from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. Because there are many people that are going to miss heaven by 12 inches because they have a head knowledge of Christ. But they do not have a heart knowledge. He's not transformed their heart. He's not transformed their mind. They're they're not transformed. They're not living a transformed life. They know it, but they don't know Him. And if that's you this morning, I pray that, that you would pray a prayer such as that. Lord, help me to know you. Not just to know about you, but to know you. One of the other conversations that we had this week is we were riding on Friday is we were talking about that question of define the gospel in one sentence. Austin got on the phone and we had nothing better to do than just ride down the interstate. And so we called a couple of his buddies who were in ministry that he went to school with and he was checking on them and then he'd turn it over to me and I'd say, hey, I got a, you don't know me from Adam, my name's Chris. You know." And I said, I got a question for you today. I want you to find the gospel in one sentence. And as we began to talk with one of his friends, Ryan Gray, who serves in Alabama, do y'all remember a few months back we shared about a church in Alabama where someone had gone in and uh, taken uh, some flammable source, maybe gasoline, and had poured it down the center of the church, poured it on the pew, and lit the church on fire? Do y'all remember that we were praying for that church? Well, this is the church that that Brian that Ryan shares at, uh, serves at. Listen to what he said; I thought it was so profound, and I want to kind of end my message today in this way. Listen to what Ryan said. You'll never understand the magnitude of what Christ did for you until you understood the magnitude of your sin. Chew on that. You know, last Sunday as we celebrated a Resurrection Sunday, some people come in and, and they look like they had sucked on a lemon like some other Sundays that they come in. Amen? But when you understand the magnitude of what Christ did for your sins, then you'll be then you you have that joy that's everlasting. You have that peace that surpasses all understanding. Now I want to close this morning with just some hymns that we sang as we were at the conference and and for me, like I said, I couldn't help but be quiet. I couldn't help but be still and just listen and absorb and take that in of just that, that heavenly choir that was all around me. One of the songs that, that we sung was the power of the cross. Listen, this, the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath, Son of God slain for us, what a love, what a cross, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. This is the power of the cross. Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath. Son of God slain for us. What a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. Another song that we sang was, All I Have is Christ. Listen to these words. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would still refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race... Indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross and beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place, you bore the wrath reserved for me. Now, all I know is grace. And that song ends with these words Hallelujah! All I have is Christ. Hallelujah! Jesus is my life. Friends, can you say that this morning? All I, Sometimes in life, friends, there's going to be trials and struggles and temptations and things that you go through in your life, and all you're going to be able to do if you know Jesus is say, all I have is Christ. And Jesus is my life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Lord, thank you as we... Celebrate the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday, Father, thank you for the reminder of of what the cross cost, Lord, what a great love that was displayed there upon that tree. Father, I pray this morning that as Ryan reminded us, and I've reminded these your people, Lord, that we'll never understood. We'll never understand the magnitude of what you've done until we understand the magnitude of our sins. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we would be reminded, as Scripture reminds us, Lord, to whom much is... We've been forgiven a lot. Lord, and we're to forgive others. Lord, just as you've forgiven us, we should forgive others. Father, help us to live in light of the cross and to apply these truths that we've discussed today Lord, that you may be our source of hope, of strength, of love, of life. Father, when the, the storms of life come our way, may we be like that song that says, All I have is Christ. Father, help us to realize that even though sometimes you may be all we have, Lord, that's all we need. And so, Father, I pray this morning, That you would take the truths that you have shown us today. That that we would hide them in our hearts. That we would apply them. That we would live them out. That we would cling to them. That we would pray them back to you. Father, we thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Father, I ask now that as we've received your word, may we respond to it. Lord, I don't know what you want to do in the hearts and minds of these, your people. But Lord, if there's someone here this morning who's never trusted in you for that hope, for that joy everlasting, for salvation, Lord, I pray that today would be the day. Fathers, for others of us today, I pray that as we maybe be in a rough spot in our lives, Lord, the truths of your word, the songs that were sung, may be a reminder this coming week that you're all we need. Father, we thank you. We love you for it. it's In Jesus' name I pray, amen.